Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow. Rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie, and finally, from the middle of his jet-setting summer all across Europe, just making fun of us American peasants as we continue to work as hard as we do, Marcus Smith, joining us live from Berlin, Germany. Hello, hello. What's up, Frankie? Marcus is uh, doing, seems to be doing just fine over there. Uh, while I suffer in 95% humidity, 85 degree temperatures in New York. Hey, we had that in Berlin today as well, and your boy was in Israel for a week, so I was getting absolutely roasted. So, Well, the biggest difference is, of course, that America believes in air conditioning and Europe doesn't. So, edge America, let's go. Amen on that one, brother. It's rough. After this episode, I'll be getting a corn dog at Walmart, but before then, Marcus, let's go over Wimbledon. So first, we have a pretty interesting tournament so far, but also I think one that it was also kind of predictable. I don't really think there's been any super big upsets so far, but what's really caught your eye? What's caught my eye is that I think, and you can agree, Frankie, since you're the one who did the preview episode without me and your predictions were very, very spot on. Um, is that we have not had any major upsets outside of Kasparud. And I don't even know if that's a real upset, which is what we're going to get into today. Um, It's been a really long time since we have a slam where everybody who is expected to perform has performed so far. And I think that is kind of made it a, not a wild first week here at Wimbledon, which is maybe a little bit more on the boring side. However, Frankie, I think that's going to set up a really, really interesting and fun second week since we're getting the top guns playing each other. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there has not really been any super big upsets. I think most of this was relatively predictable. You just knew that Casper Rude was not going to be super effective. The only one that I think is on upset alert right now, to be honest, is Hubert Herkash and Novak Djokovic. Herkash is just somebody I would not want to be playing on this surface. I don't know about you. I mean, no matter how good Novak is, Herkash is playing so well. He statistically has uh, the best serve on the tour right now, and he just looks so comfortable. Um, and as good as Novak is, Hubie's really going to push him. So do I think that Hubie will beat him? I don't think so. As I've mentioned, I think Novak's winning this whole thing, but this could be a very tough match is what I would say as we're watching this right now uh, as the match is going on. I was just about to tell you we're at six all three all here. This is as tight as it gets. Um, Yeah. If there's anybody in the 
in the draw who's got a really good shot of taking out Joker on grass, it is Hubie, just because he does have the big serve to kind of counteract Djokovic's great return. And then also a lot of game to back it up, plays really well at the net, is not afraid to come forward, has pretty good results at Wimbledon, made a semifinal a couple of years ago, um, big hitter, not afraid to take his chances. So Hubie's somebody that, you know that they can definitely take out Djokovic, what I think actually kind of hurts Hubie, and for that matter, anybody who's playing Joker, is this weird Wimbledon rule with the curfew. I think this is messing some dudes up, because once you get into a rhythm and you can start to play well, and then they all of a sudden they call the curfew and they got to come back tomorrow, that gives Djokovic time to adjust. And when you give him like more than 10 to 12 hours to adjust with his coaches, he just comes back with a whole different game plan. And he's such a savant himself that he's able to figure these things out in the long term. I think that really hurts the chances of players and also kind of messes things up. It's a whole different discussion, obviously, with Wimbledon. But I think that curfew and them starting stopping matches does not help uh, the underdogs against Djokovic. No, I am 100% with you as Harkash just hits two aces to go up 6-3 at this tiebreak. But yeah, I'm 100% 100% with you. I I think that the rule with the curfew is bogus. They got to fix something about it. Maybe have like a minimum start like time allocation for a men's match and a women's match. Like you got to have at least 3 hours till curfew to start a men's match and 2 hours till curfew to start a women's match because it's made a bit it's going to make a big difference in this match, especially if her cash ends up winning like two sets or one set, whatever they're able to get in here. And it made a massive difference, particularly in the Murray-Sitsipas match. If you caught any of that, Murray 100% would have won that match if they played all of it in a single day. But the fact that they were able to go back and Sitsipas was able to re-rest up after going in on a short break and adjust his game to Murray really just made it an impossible task for uh for murray to to kind of keep up with steph for me actually just getting back to the original thing that we were talking about for me the biggest surprise of this tournament marcus has been matteo berrettini who has really just come out of nowhere seemingly the guy has been struggling this entire year plus you know just just meddling around losing in like challengers and whatever all of a sudden he comes to wimbledon and the guy looks like he's back at home and he looks like he's like joyous playing tennis. And it makes number one, it makes me so happy to see. Right. And number two, it is just like really proof that so much of this is mental. So much of it. Because mentally you see him really taking that big step here. Yeah, he's looked great. Wimbledon is by far his best slam, made a final here before. We had pretty much zero expectations of him coming in just because the season has been so poor that we're just nothing for us to kind of really grab onto and hope for but he's taking care of Sonigo Demonauer and now he he pretty easily took care of Sverev who's been playing really good ball uh, and is also a threat on grass. Carlos is going to be on upset alert I will say. Um, I don't think that it will happen but I think that's another match, kind of like this catch djokovic match, which is, by the way, now we're at six on the tiebreak, of course, who blew his chance there. Um, I, th- I think that Mateo is somebody who you really have to watch out for. And now that he's kind of played himself into the tournament a little bit, watch out for him against Carlos. Uh, and he's a bad... Car- he's a 
not too many people are like really a bad matchup for Carlos, but Mateo is one of those guys who I would say is just because he can match the firepower and deliver first strike to Carlos. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I think that this, you've got to think Mateo, if he is able to pull that upset versus Alcaraz, which I do think is possible. I think Alcaraz has sort of shown us that he's vulnerable on this surface. I think he's got some some holes on the grass surface that we could talk about like in another episode perhaps, but like I don't think that his game is necessarily translating that well, and I don't think that his serve particularly translates that well because Carlos relies on that big kick serve to really get some height against uh, opponents because Carlos is not really that tall. He's about six foot even, maybe. Uh, so he really heavily relies on a well-placed kick serve, and well-placed kick serves don't really work on grass very well. You're not really getting that high trajectory against opponents so I think that's why we've seen Carlos really not look so dominant so far in comparison to how he looks like usually on a hard court or on a grass or on a a clay court for example so I absolutely think that he's on upset alert there that's like a, a tricky matchup for him and this whole like top half of the draw really with Alcaraz, Berrettini, Dimitrov, Runa, Medvedev, Leheka, Christopher Eubanks who we'll talk about and Stefano Tsitsipas is really up for grabs. That is a, such an interesting, such an interesting like top half that's developing there. And it's in stark contrast to, I think, the bottom half of the draw, which is really turning into just the collision course of Yannick Sinner versus Novak Djokovic, unless Andre Rublev is able to recover from the grind fest he just had against uh, Alex Bublik and do something against most likely Djokovic. But still, uh, this has been an interesting Wimbledon so far. Um, then the person that I wanted us to talk about, as I just mentioned there, is got to be Christopher Eubanks, though, who, after winning Mallorca, what was that, last week or two weeks ago, has come in and performed so well here at Wimbledon, including taking down Cam Norrie, which is a legit win on grass a- against a British number one. Tell uh, Marcus, if you've seen this guy play, tell me what you've seen improve because he is going to be another person similar to our boy Nico Jarry that's going to be a contender for most improved. Yeah, Chris has had a fantastic year. It all started kind of in Miami where he had that really good run and has built upon that and his confidence throughout the year. Um, I would say his his serve has gotten tremendously better even though he's always had a pretty good serve for somebody pretty tall. Um, But it's just his ability to kind of stay in longer points as well. Um, He's always had a pretty good quick like one two game with the serve and the forehand, but his ability to kind of grind out longer rallies and also stay in them and mix it up more with the backhand. He's got a one handed backhand, but he's been able to kind of alternate between the slice and really hitting through it. This is something this is a surface that clearly suits him best. I mean, with, with the serve and his ability also to volley pretty well and not be afraid to come forward. He has no problem coming to net and closing out points. I think that Chris has done a fantastic job. I, I, we need to, I don't know the name of his coach off the top of hand, Frankie, but whoever that is deserves a huge shout out because Chris has had an amazing year so far and he is built only building upon it. Um, he's going to be facing off against Tizzy Paz. Frankie, you think it's doable? I think it's doable. 100% I think it's doable, but I will say. Watching Sitsipas at this Wimbledon has been one of the more interesting one of the more interesting developments so far because 
Wimbledon is really a surface where if you were going to like describe Seth, Steph's game to anyone, right? Really offensive, really plus one oriented, pretty good serve, like above average serve, pretty comfortable, pretty comfortable at net, like all of these things. You would think grass court would absolutely be his preferred surface. And if anything, and it's not, it's the complete opposite. It's a clay court that it's his preferred surface. So he, like, Sitsipas should always have been good on this surface. And this year is the first year that I'm finally really seeing him look more comfortable. And I, there's a lot of reasons for that that we can get into. But I think that Christopher Eubanks has a legitimate chance there. Do I think, like, it's, like, would I pick Eubanks over Sitsipas? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would because Steph has been playing pretty decently so far, you got to say. Like, taking out Murray, regardless of the day layover thing, that's a legit win. Murray is a Grand Slam champion on this surface, has a ton of experience, grew up playing on it. It's a good win. So we'll see what happens. My pick would be Pass there. And I think that Steph, if he is really locked in, has a legitimate chance to sort of get through to the final there. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, I, I think that Steph is, is on a mission right now, and, and he hasn't had the slam performance that he's wanted so far this year, and this is a nice little part of the draw. I think he's got a better shot against a Medvedev if he does win um, than, he, than he normally does on this surface, so it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see, Frankie. Another person I really wanted to quickly talk about, uh, Roman Sifulin, who is the surprise fourth round appearance here this is not somebody who we ever picked at all but has had a pretty solid tournament although a little bit of a weaker draw but i don't hold that against him if you win you win you beat whoever's in front of you he takes out batista good that's a legit win first round beats mutet uh and then beats guido Pea, who somehow miraculously made it to the third round as an argentinian dirt ball also shout to him too um, and he takes out Shapovalov, even though he got a little bit injured. But he's got a, you know, he's got a shot against Yannick Sinner. I would pick Jan. I think this is Jan's window to kind of make his first really Grand Slam dent that Frankie's just been dying for. Um, but we've also seen Jan lose matches like these, so I'm gonna, you know, go with the Jan route. But I just wanted to quickly give a shout out to to Roman for for his appearance here in the round of 16 at Wimbledon. Yeah, I have no problem with the easy draw. You play who's in front of you. You can't control the draw, and that's just it. And Roman has absolutely taken advantage of it. He's beaten who's in front of him, and now he finds himself at the second week at Wimbledon, which is a really, you know, rare opportunity and a fantastic one at that. So kudos to him and well done. Uh, Yeah, Marcus, I agree. Obviously, I agree from the preview episode. I said it. Watching this match... With watching this draw rather with Jan, it is just absolutely his opportunity to make a Grand Slam semifinal for the first time in his career, uh, which is kind of crazy that he hasn't made one considering he's been to the quarterfinals of every single one. You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I think Yannick really has to take this opportunity and he won in straight sets today despite some umpire nonsense and Jesus Christ, can we please just get Hawkeye live at all of these majors and not waste any more time? Uh, Jan has looked pretty good. I mean, he's dropped one set so far and then quickly came back against Quinton Halle, not 100% sure how to say his name, uh, and takes him out like pretty routinely. Jan's done a pretty good job of preserving his body. Novak is going to have some tougher matchups here. He's got Herkash, as we, as we said right now. He's also going to have Rublev next round if he wins this match. 
Jan could go in with the physical advantage as much as he's ever going to have it against Novak and try to take advantage of it. And that, you know, going back to the first thing that we said about Hercash is the guy to take out Novak at Wimbledon, like if anyone can, you got to put Yannick Sinner on that list. He almost beat him last year, right? So he took two sets. He was right there and he just couldn't get it done. So I really think it's going to come down to that rematch and it'll be a phenomenal match if we are able to um, to get there, quite honestly. So we'll see what happens, but... I, I am very, very much looking forward uh, to the rest of this, to the men's side of the Wimble, of Wimbledon. It, it is looking really, really interesting. So before we get into predictions for anything, uh, let's go over to the women's side of the draw, which has also had a little bit of upsets, but also has really been pretty much on tap with what we expected here. A lot of the seeds are remaining, which is great. We love to see that. And a lot of interesting matchups that are going to be happening in this next round. We had two phenomenal matches today. I don't know if you were able to catch them today, Marcus, between Iga Sviantek and Belinda Bencic, which was an absolute slugfest that Iga comes out winning. And between Grand Slam champ, former Grand Slam champion Vika Azarenka and Alina Svetolina, which Svetolina was able to come out from. So, Marcus, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, your thoughts on the women's draw so far? I think it's been a really interesting one. Yeah, I think it's been great. And I'm really happy that I'm really happy for Svitolina coming in as a wild card, making the uh, the round of 16 and you know quarterfinals here. That's really awesome to see. She's totally earned it, especially ever after giving birth and coming back from from being a mother so quickly. It's really just inspiring to see. Um, and she's beat some pretty good opponents on the way. Elise Merton, Sophia Cannon, Azarenka. Um, for me, Frankie, the match for me to watch that I think is just really going to be dynamite, uh, and I'm definitely going to be watching, uh, is Anjabur and Petra Kvitova. I mean, two absolute grass court specialists. Kvitova, multiple-time Wimbledon champ. Anjabur, finalist here. I mean, like... And just the most classical women's style you'll ever see. Just so nice and smooth. Loves to come to net. Plays with like kind of a continental grip-ish, more so Eastern, but hits the ball relatively flat. Gives me like Federer vibes a little bit. That match is just absolute popcorn. Uh, that It's honestly a shame that that happened so early because I think Kvitova for a grass court is under-seeded in this field, um, which is why we're getting this so early. But man, that is that is going to be the match for me to watch. Yeah, I think on the women's side, you might have a more interesting round of 16 and quarterfinal rounds uh, than on the men's side. I think there's a ton of really interesting ones. Agree, Anjabur and Kvitova is the, 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 the headliner for sure. But of these round of 16 ones, outside of the ones we had today, which were fantastic, Haddad Maya has been playing unbelievable so far with her gra- with her, like, net expertise from doubles she'll be going against defending champion elena rabakina who has looked pretty good so far but has had like up and down matches uh as well as having uh madison keys former grand slam champion versus 16 year old me uh mira on andrieva at 16 years old is in the round of 16 at wimbledon after making, I believe it was the second or third round of Roland Garros, like unbelievable from her. 
Frankie, you and I were playing uh, playing doubles when you were 16 at Cunningham Park against each other. It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. Genuinely, what this girl's doing is amazing. So she is going to be somebody to absolutely watch out for. uh, And, uh, you know, it's going to be box office. That's going to be box office. Haddad Maya versus Rabakana is going to be phenomenal. Uh, You know, this is just... Fin- the women's tournament could really have not have gone could not have gone better than how it is going right now i will tell you my sleeper pick for this whole thing marcus is jessica bagula who has quietly just marched on through the draw hasn't really had like too much going on after her first round match and is using again like that skill set that she acquired from playing doubles with Coco Golf, actually, she's still in the draw to really take advantage and have a nice all court game. And she's killing it. She's a top four seed in the world. She's the number one American in the world. There's a reason for it. Maybe this is the tournament that she's finally able to break out from. But wow, women's side is awesome. I have to tell you, I, I'm like really genuinely shocked at how much the women's game has changed from like even five to seven years ago versus now. You know what I mean? Like the women's side has now developed like all of these sort of star power players that make it so interesting to watch. And we can really comment on the same people over and over again. We're not getting like the random Bianca, like Andrescu's and whatever it is of the worlds anymore. Like we've got a legitimate big three here on the women's side with Rabakina, Sabalenka and Ika Sviantek. Yeah, something that's really made me happy about the women's game in the last couple of years is the variety of the top players. The women's game had generally, especially like kind of post-Serena Osaka was, and, and even pre then, and besides those girls, were was very like homogenous. Like everybody kind of played the same. Everyone like, you know, hit the just super flat, just kind of long rallies. But now we've got, you know, girls like Ego who are shorter but plays with like a ton of variety, may way more spin, loves to counter punch but also attack. Then you've got Anjabor who plays like a more way more classical style with like a Wilson Pro Stav, loves to drop shot, hits the ball a little bit less spinny than most girls and is able to move forward and, and mix things up. And you've got Sabalenka who's just an absolute bruiser out there, just cranks things. So it makes the matchup so much more exciting as things go on and it's also nice to see um american women picking it up after serena as well we've got pagula out there you've got golf out there uh it's it's just super cool and it's just it's a really a lot of fun to watch see it's interesting that you mentioned the part about the american women because i think what's good about the game now is that it's not american woman dominated as much as it was like 10 years ago with the well i mean it was dominated by one woman maybe two from the same family you had four women four american women who legitimately were going to win a grand slam right you had venus serena uh madison keys and sloan stevens granted the latter two were one slam but they were contenders they were definite good players Uh, i hear you but i think that the women's game has gone through similar to the men's game like 20 years ago 25 years ago a little bit more of a Europeanization as sort of women's sports in the rest of the world have become more of a like thing, quite honestly. Right. So 
Uh, similar to soccer, too. Soccer has been the same thing. U.S. women dominated. Now, all of a sudden, that's becoming a little bit different. It's good. Regardless, I agree with Marcus 100%. The play styles are very, very different now. Kvitova is really like the classic, like, big serve bruiser. And Rabakina and Sabalenka are very much, like, in her same, like, tree of influence in terms of how they play. Different, but, like, still in that same vein. Um, and it's a pleasure to watch. It is. It's just really such a pleasure to watch all of them. I, the women's game could not be at a higher sort of point for me right now in terms of watchability. It's it's at it's at its highest. Um, Marcus, that being said, we're heading into the final few minutes here. Let's do some predictions, and we'll start with the ladies. Uh, Marcus, who do you have from this top half? Who do you have from the bottom half? And tell me who you think is going to win. I'm going to go with Iga. On the top, uh, I think that she's really dedicated herself to winning a Wimbledon and training more on grass and just overall preparing herself, not only physically, but mentally for the grass courts and what can come with that. Uh, as for the bottom half, oh man. Good luck. Dude, I mean, Jabor, Kvitova, Rabakina, Haddad, Maya, and Sabalenka. Oh. And Madison Keys. Don't forget about her. Yeah, and Maddie Keys, too. I mean, uh, I'm going to go with my sentimental feeling here. I'm going to go with Jabor. I really want Jabor to make it, and I really want Jabor to win it. So I'm just going, I'm, I'm Team Jabor. I'm, I'm Team Africa. Let, let's do it. Yeah, no, I think Jabor is going to lose to Kavitova, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Love you, buddy, boy. but no. Uh, yep. No, I, I'm going to take Kavitova there. I am actually going to take Rabakina to come out of this just because I think that she is so comfortable on this surface. I think that she just sort of has the sort of game to really succeed here. And quite honestly, I genuinely think that the best shot in women's tennis right now might be Rabakina's serve, which is always a really good thing to have when you could just and like you saw it in her first round match where she lost the first set like this second that Rabakina got her serve going it was just over because she just gets so many free points off of her serve that it is incredibly difficult to beat her on this surface and it like reminds me in some ways of like peak Venus or peak Serena when like their serve was just so much better than everybody else's that it was impossible to break them Right. And like, I don't know if Rabakina is quite at that level yet. That's a bit of a step, but it, it is certainly reminiscent to me in my mind. So I would go with Rabakina on that bottom half. And I agree with you for the top half. I will go with Iga. I think that this draw in her mind, now that she's been able to get past Belinda Bencic, she sort of knows that this is her chance to get that Wimbledon final and give herself the best chance to win it. So I would go with Iga Sviantek on the top. But would it surprise me if? Alina Svetolina ends up making a run to the final. It wouldn't, to be honest. But I would go with Iga versus Rabakina, and then I'll I'll say that Rabakina defends her title, uh, which would be a really cool one because that hasn't happened at a, a slam on the women's side in, in quite a bit here, if I'm remembering right. So that would be, oh, well, Iga, actually. But outside yep. of Iga. <laughs> w- Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yeah, at Wimbledon. Thank you. Let's go with Wimbledon. But still, I think it would be really good. So... I just want, truthfully, I would love for one of the three women that we've spoken about, Iga, Sabalenka, or Rabakina, to make it through and win it. 
because I think that it's better for the women's game if they continue to have like the star power of those three sort of continuing everything. But separate topic. Team Ons, baby. Let's go. I would love Ons to win it. I don't think she's going to, but I would be happy if she did. On to gentlemen singles. You did. You went first last time. I'll go first this time. Somebody that we forgot to talk about, actually, is Gregor Dimitrov, who's been playing outstanding this week at Wimbledon. And he is somebody who, like, do not be surprised if he's able to make a run because he's had a pretty easy draw so far. And Holger Rune is just wiped out from his five-setter <laughs> last round that you've got to think that Gregor is going to be able to knock him off. But from this top half, I think I will go with... This is really hard. Gonna be honest with you. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna go with Carlos. And I'll tell you why. I just don't want to bet against him. <laughs> he really he really has that like Rafa effect where it's just like I don't want to bet against this guy. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with, with Carlos on the top half. And then I will go with Novak from the bottom half. I think he will still I've it, even if I think Sinner might push him, I, I, I can't imagine Novak losing really at this point. I think he's still too good right now. Maybe next year. We'll see. But I would go with Novak, and then I think Novak wins this whole thing. I'm going to pick Djokovic for the bottom. I don't think I need to explain myself. You ready for me to shock you? Let me guess. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. I think you are going to pick. I think you're going to pick Sitsipas. Yep. Yep. That's who I was thinking. To be honest, that's who I was between. I I think this draw has like sneakily wide and open for him. I I have a weird feel I have a weird feeling with Sitsipas in this tournament. Like he's had a couple of matches where he wasn't supposed to make it. And I, I think he beats Eubanks. I think he can get through Medvedev on a grass. And then, you know, sometimes I just we can't always pick Carlos to win, even though I, I really do because I love the guy and I think he is one of the better guys. But like, I think a, a grass court evens out that matchup so much. Like, it's the most evening surface for these two that can possibly that they could possibly play on. That I think he'll he'll do it, and I think that he's maybe it's the Paula effect. I don't know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna my gut is telling me Sitsipas in the final, and then. And then, and then I'm, and then I'm going to pick Djokovic to win it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Djokovic to win it is by far the safest pick here, definitely. But yeah, I'm not going that far. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I hear you. I think that I don't know if it's the most evening as much let's as put it this, this is. So I, I think that the proper way to describe it is that this is by far Carlos's worst surface by far. Yeah, I think it's Steph's best chance to win against him because on a hard court, hell no, and on a clay court, hell no. So I think grass is like, if Steph's gonna beat him, like this is this is it. If he can't beat him on this, he's never beating him. Let's be clear. <laughs> like compared to your slam chances, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean he gets pounded on on hard court, like absolutely like whipped, and then on a clay court, it's just like still horrible like it's just still bad <laughs> like and he's and he's a prime like premium clay court player too so it's he is yeah i mean he's like a top court. five clay court player in the world but it's gotta i think it's i i wouldn't be surprised if what you're saying happens with with sissy boss i would not i totally am not going to discount that i will be in greece during the second half of the or the finals of wimbledon so if that happens 
I you will be catching me at a uh, little taverna Ooh. with some ouzo in hand oh, uh, watching this. You're teasing me. Just kidding. I'll also have a cigarette because that's what we do in Greece. It's how we live till 100 years old. Smell the olive oil? <laughs> yeah. Well, no comment. Um, <laughs> that is going to do it for us. Do it for us here at Breakpoint Podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on threads as well, where I've been fairly active. If you have uh, noticed, I've been doing some posts every day on there, giving some match analysis. And uh, yeah, it's way better than Twitter. Just going to say it. No comment, because I don't have either app, and I let I let Frankie run the social media. So I'm going to have to go open up threads now. There we go. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See you.